0: In
1: grace, how sweet the sound that saved
2: Morning, 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 morning. Good to see you. Doing okay? Yes. Thanks, James. Someone's listening. Is this on? Pow oh, it's so good to see you today. Um, glad to be in the house of the Lord with you. Wouldn't want to be any place else with you, even if there was a huge buck waiting on me. If I just went to my my stand, I'd rather be Yeah, I'd rather be here with you. He can come to church if you The buck can come to church. <laughs> Well, if you're visiting with us, we're so glad that you're with us today. If you'd like, um, if you're, you're under no obligation, but if you'd like to, there should be a blue card somewhere around you that you can fill out and put in the offering plate in the back. Or if you feel like uh, being a high-tech redneck today, in the bulletin there's actually a QR code. You can take your, the camera on your phone and scan that, take a picture of it. It should open up a web page on your phone and you can fill out a connection card that way. Um, I still think you don't believe me that this this actually works because I haven't had anybody take me up on it yet. So one of you will, and who knows what sort of prize you'll win when you do that. (laughs) I need to make just a few announcements. Um, There is no choir practice tonight. Ladies' prayer group is at 6, evening Bible study at 6.30. I want to remind you that Wednesday uh, there will be, again, another round of PSAT testing in the fellowship hall. Uh, so if you were planning on having uh, doing something in the fellowship hall on Wednesday morning, please postpone that, reschedule that to another time. You probably also noticed out in the foyer uh, the Operation Christmas Child boxes. The empty ones are there for you to take. And if you'd like to fill a box, just grab one. Uh, be sure to follow the instructions. Um, I, <coughs> And I want to say that again. There are instructions about there what you, about what you can pack and what you cannot pack, and then also instructions about how to pay for shipping the boxes. And we're going to dedicate the boxes on November 14th, so you'll need to have those returned to the church by that time. Uh, secondly, uh, we are also co- collecting money to add to what our church has already given uh, or is planning to give toward Louisiana Hurricane Relief. You might think... And that was a a while back, Brother Shannon. Why are we so slow getting there? I can assure you the need is ongoing. Um, There are a number of churches that have either been destroyed or have sustained significant damage. And our church set aside uh, right around $5,000 for for us to send in addition to what you would like to give. So if you'd like to give to that, uh, make sure that you designate your donation for that purpose. And everything that is given will be donated to the Louisiana Baptist Convention Disaster Relief Fund, and they will portion that out as they see fit, because they know more of the need and who needs it than we do. I think that's all the announcements that I need to make. Are there one any? More.
3: Yes, sir. Um, next Sunday, Pastor Appreciation Sunday, and we will have a uh, covered dish meal. So, if you have any questions. Check with Marsha or Paul, and they'll be glad to answer whatever questions you have. That's all Paul's in charge of
4: lunch. <laughs> Marsha or
1: one of the
2: other
1: ladies. <laughs> Paul was my point of contact, so... Um,
2: okay, Any anything else that we need to... Any other announcements we need to make at this time? All right, well, I'd like to direct our attention to... Psalm thirteen. Um, you know there are a number of different types of songs. Um, there are psalms that talk about Jesus, like Psalm twenty-two. You can make, you can read that, and you can see Jesus all over it. Um, there are psalms that are praise psalms toward God, and, and many times I like to bring those to our attention to kind of focus our heart. But the vast number, the largest number, uh, type of psalms are lament psalms. Now, I don't know what that says to you, but I think that says that maybe lament has a place in worship, and and we don't often acknowledge that. But sometimes we walk into worship, and things are not great, but we still know that our heart calls us to worship. Out of obedience we come, even though there may be something weighing heavily upon us. We come. And so when we come across Psalms like Psalm 13, they help us to lament in a biblical way. To say, God, this hurts, but I'm still here because I love you. And sometimes we struggle. And I, I, I venture to guess that we all struggle at how do I communicate to God the hurt in my heart in a way that really, truly communicates what I feel as well as speaks to God in a respectful way that depends upon Him and his, his true character, His spotless, unstained character in a trust that He will act. Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will You forget me forever? How long will You hide Your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. I love lament psalms because they always at some point... After having, Lord, I'm spilling out my heart here. It comes back around. It talks about trust. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Now we have a reason to sing. I will sing to the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with me. And He has. Sometimes it seems like that fits us. How long, O Lord? But we trust Him. We trust in his steadfast love. Let's stand and sing to our our Savior.
3: As we go through these songs today, I want you to uh, look at it this way. first song we're going to sing is grace greater than our sin. Then we're going to sing, Lord, I'm coming home. The wonderful cross and redeemed power. I love to proclaim it. So let's put that all in a sentence. God, because you have grace that's greater than my sin, I can come home. Because of what you did on the cross, I'm redeemed. And because I'm redeemed, Lord, I surrender all.
0: Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that. coming
3: children will come forward for the children's sermon, you may be seated. Because of that, God, this morning we want to come home. Come home from sin, come home from our arrogant attitudes, come home from the things that we trust more than you. And your word says where sin is deep, grace is deeper. And so this morning we pray that the gospel will penetrate every part of our hearts. Changes to look a little more like Jesus. In your son's name I pray. Amen.
2: If you would please take your copy of God's word, turn to the book of Psalms, It'll be in Psalm 51 this morning. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, you should find somewhere around you a hardback black one. Uh, The Old Testament's in the front of the Bible, Uh, so from the front, find page four hundred and thirteen, and you will be at Psalm fifty-one. We're continuing a series; it's called "Getting Saved." Uh, And that series comes on the heels of a series called "Getting Lost." Um, Perhaps you've gotten in on in the middle of it, um, and there uh, there's parts of it that you feel like you've missed. I just want to let you know that if you would like, you can go to our church YouTube page, our church Facebook page, our church Twitter page, where all kinds of ways that we try to get um, the service out to people. And so um, it's taken us a while to get to the point where we are, um, but I believe for good reason and for good, good purpose. So the title of this morning's message is you must repent. If you would, let's all stand together in honor of God's word being read. And I'm going to read the title this morning. I don't usually do that, but I'm going to read the title um, because that gives us context as to when or what caused David to write this psalm. Psalm 51, this is God's word to the choirmaster, a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went into him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned And sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. O God of my salvation. And my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Let's pray together. Father, uh, we are thankful. I know I am to get a picture into David's heart. I believe that um, we're seeing him see sin how you see it. He feels the dirt and the uncleanness, the guilt of it. He's broken. And I'm thankful to see all of those things modeled in King David. I'm also thankful, Lord, that, that repentance was even an option for him. And that he repented In heart, in mind, in will. And he shows us, gives us language, gives us a model to follow for how we may repent as well. And Lord, as we listen to your word being preached today, we acknowledge that apart from the the Spirit of God doing something here today, nothing of import eternal import will happen so manifest yourself among us today holy spirit for the sake of our crucified and risen savior in whose name we pray amen you may be seated i want to front load um, this sermon and in two ways one i just want to tell you um, you know we're talking about repentance today This series that we have, these two series that dovetail together, talked about getting lost, but then spent a long period of time before we got to to last week, which was You Must Be Born Again, and today, which is Repentance. In the first part of this series on getting saved, I, I brought a lot of the word to you to talk about what does God do when He saves a person? What has what, what God accomplished in the atonement of Christ? And there was all these things that I had that front-loaded the series with. But then that talked about all of what God has done. But it is incumbent upon us to do the part that has been assigned to us. Last week, Jesus told Nicodemus, You must be born again. Now, it's God that does the the birthing, the rebirth. But He told him, you must be born again. And I tell you again today, you must repent. If you want to be saved, you must be born again. And you must repent. There is no getting around either of these parts of salvation. Now, Some of us, I would expect, say, a vast majority of us have already done that. We have already been born again. We have already repented. But we're not to understand repentance as a one-time event. It's lifelong repentance. How do I know that? Because David was a believer who fell into sin. And he recognized his need before a holy God to say, I have sinned. Lord, I repent in sackcloth and ashes. I feel the dirt, the guilt, the pain of this. So repenting is not a one one and done proposition. As believers, we live lives of repentance. And David is very instructive for both believer and unbeliever. And I think that catches everybody in the room. You fall into one of two categories. You're either a believer in Christ unto salvation, you have been born again, you have repented, you are walking in faith day by day, or you are an unbeliever, you have not been born again, and you are dead in your trespasses and sins. You must repent. So it's probably good that we start with I'm getting a ring. Might have to turn me down a touch. We should probably ascertain, venture a definition for what repentance is. Now you all, uh, I hope you know that as Baptists, um, individual churches can subscribe to a statement of faith. And ours is the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. There are different... um, versions of the Baptist faith and message. There's a 63 and and 2000, and there's some some others as well. But the BFM 2000 has a definition, a very simple one, which I think is good. What is repentance? It's a genuine turning from sin toward God. That's good. That is a great place to start. But actually, there is more that can be said. You can understand that basic definition, but there's more that could be said there. James Boyce, who was the founder and first president of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary defined repentance as sorrow for sin accompanied by a determination with the help of God to sin no more. Thomas Watson, who was a Puritan, describes it in a little more detail. Repentance is sorrow for sin accompanied by a determination with the help of God to sin. I'm sorry. Repentance is a grace of God's Spirit whereby a sinner is inwardly humbled and visibly reformed. Inwardly humbled and visibly reformed. Another Baptist statement of faith puts it this way. And this is a long definition, but I think there's a lot of truth, uh, (coughs) teeth, meat to what uh, this definition states. Repentance is an evangelical grace whereby a person, being by the Holy Spirit made sensible of the manifold evils of his sin, Does, by faith in Christ, humble himself for it with godly sorrow, detestation of it, and self-abhorrence. Praying for pardon and strength of grace with a purpose and endeavor by supplies of the Spirit to walk before God unto all well-pleasing in all things. That's a long definition. But there's a lot of stuff that helps us to understand that... There is a simple definition for repentance, but there's a lot that goes into applying it. We see in this morning's text <clears throat> a picture, a model of how repentance works in the life of a believer. And again, I say to you that if you're an unbeliever here today, these same things apply to you. Repentance, first of all, is spiritual. Repentance, first of all, is Spiritual. Now, you might think, where are you getting this? Let me prove it to you. Let me prove it to you. Okay? So David wrote this on the heels of being exposed by Nathan the prophet for what he did by committing adultery with Bathsheba and having her husband, Uriah, killed in battle. It says in 2 Samuel, After all this happened, 2 Samuel eleven twenty seven, 27. And when the morning was over, when Bathsheba lamented over her husband, and when the morning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done had displeased the Lord. He thought he was getting away with it. Until, verse 1, And the Lord sent Nathan to David with a message That was encapsulated in a parable that once David understood it, he knew that God knew his sin. And it is God who convicted the spirit of David and broke his heart so that David might repent. Repentance, I submit to you, is a gift of God's grace. Does does God have to let us repent? Could not He in, in justly allow us just to perish in our sin? He could. But out of grace, He gives us the gift of repentance. Acts eleven eighteen. 18. Look at the specific wording here that Luke uses in Acts. When they heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has Granted repentance that leads to life. God grants repentance. It is a gift of His grace. And not only that, it is an effect of being born again. It's an effect of being born again. Again, the Scriptures... Teach us this. First John three nine. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Do you see that? A person repents because they have been born again. He John says, if you've been born again, you repent. You don't make a practice of sinning because God's life, His seed, abides in you, and you can't keep on sinning because God has has made you new. You've been born of God. People who are born again repent. <clears throat> so repentance is spiritual. Now that wasn't in Psalm 130 or I'm sorry at Psalm 51, but that background helps us to see that David's repentance started with God knowing his sin and convicting David in his spirit. Secondly, repentance is intellectual. Repentance is intellectual. It simply means It's a change of mind about sin. It's a change of mind about sin. David sees now that sin is contemptible. It's contemptible. David sees sin. You can see it all throughout this text. David sees sin, how a holy God sees sin, and he calls that sin what a holy God calls sin. It is not an indiscretion. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't, I just didn't get enough sleep, and and that's why I acted out. It's none of that. It's not, this is the way I was created, therefore, this is how it's going to be. It's not questioning God and saying, if this is how you say it ought to be, then God, you need to change your law. David is calling it what it is. In verse 1, he says, blot out my transgressions. He said, God, I have come against your law. I have transgressed it. In verse 2, he says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. That's the guilt of sin. And cleanse me from my sin, which is to miss the mark, to fall short of the glory of God. In verse 4, he calls it, Evil Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. He doesn't try to make it look good or spin it. If you continue to read the text, you'll find these words used over and over a number of different times in the text. He tells God, Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words. In other words, God, you told me, What your law was, and now that you have broken my heart over sin, I see that you are justified in saying, That is a sin. I see that. He says in verse 14, He says, Deliver me from blood guiltiness. You see, David does not pull punches. He doesn't try to spin it in any way, shape, or form. He says, this is sin. This is how God sees it. This is what He calls it. And He even goes further than this in His feeling of contempt in that He feels the uncleanness of His sin. Look again at verse 2. David says, wash me thoroughly. In the Hebrew, the very first word in that verse is thoroughly. God, get it all. Now imagine, I've got to tell you this story, a little bit of comic relief for just a moment. I realize I'm being pretty heavy. When I was in uh, junior high or high school, we were loading cows. And, and my dad was trying to make sure that that one cow got all the way up in, in the chute, or in the, the trailer. And as soon as he got it in there, we are supposed to close that gate. And that cow unloaded on him. You know what I mean if you've been on a farm or ranch. That cow unloaded on him. Now, my dad didn't go traipsing in the house with that on him. It stunk. It was gross. He didn't want to wash just a little bit of it off. He wanted all of it gone. David felt the filth, the uncleanness of his sin. He said, God, thoroughly wash me. Cleanse me. God, get rid of every last speck. He says in verse 7, purge me with hyssop. Hyssop was a plant used ceremonially in, in cleansing rituals. David's saying, God, I need that kind of cleansing. If you do it, God, I'll be clean. If you wash me, I'll be whiter than snow. Now you notice that David is almost commanding God to do those things. That communicates the intensity of David's feeling. God, I've got to have this. You have got to to cleanse me. So David sees sin as contemptible, but he also sees that sin condemns. Notice what he says. The very first word in Hebrew says, Have mercy. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy... Blot out my transgressions. He says, Against you I have sinned. That's one thing if I sin against, let's say it's one thing that if I sin against Jaden, it's another thing if I sin against my wife. It's a different relationship there. David understands he has sinned against the most high God. God, I sinned against you. You're the one who sits on the throne. You're high and lifted up. And against you and you only have I sinned. And it is, you are blameless in your judgment. You have every right to judge me. He says in verse 9, God, hide your face from my sin. Blot out. When he says blot out, he's talking about expunge my record so you don't see that. God, take care of this. I know this condemns me unless you blot out my transgression. And he says, Lord, verse 11, don't cast me away from your presence. This sin, is, it, it, it condemns me. Don't, don't, don't do away with me. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Verse 14, he says, deliver me from this blood guiltiness, this blood that's on my hands. And again, when he says all of this, these are urgent requests. The Hebrew represents it as a strong desire, almost as if, you know, God, I really, really wish you would do this. It's not really what he's saying. He's saying, God, do this for me. But he can't strong arm God. It's a strong desire. It's like a mild command see, what is happening in the heart and the mind of David is what happened to Isaiah in Isaiah 6, 5, where Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up on his throne, and he understood immediately that he was a sinner. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And that's why he said... I've seen God. I'm in His presence. I'm a person of unclean lips. I dwell among a people of unclean lips. Woe is me. I am undone. He saw himself as he really was before God. He saw his sin as contemptible. He saw his sin as as condemning. He understood intellectually. Repentance is intellectual. It is a change of mind. But it's also emotional. It's also emotional. It's a change of heart toward God where happiness turns to sorrow. In verse 8, David says, Let me hear joy and gladness. Why would he say, Let me hear joy and gladness? Because he was not hearing joy and gladness. He had no joy in the brokenness over his sin. He says in verse 8, Let the bones that you have broken, rejoice. And that word for broken, let the word let the bones that you have broken. It's it's a Hebrew intensive stem which basically means that God really laid it on him hard. He's saying God restore me. You have really crushed me under the weight and the load of my sin. Verse 12 he says restore to me the joy of your salvation. In verse 15 he says open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise, but right now he is crushed under the weight of his sin. He doesn't really feel like praising. What he needs is as he lays his heart out in repentance, as his happiness turns to sorrow, that God will honor his repentance. Verse 17, David says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. David is broken. David is contrite. Contrition merely means... That he has humbled himself. He feels the weight of his sin. He's not trying to spin his sin into something else that God's got to live with. He understands that he is a sinner and he is worthy of judgment. But he repents. His happiness turns to sorrow. He is truly sorrow. These are not just words coming out of David's mouth. You know, after, back in in 2 Samuel 12, around verse 15 and following... David, understanding that he has sinned, also gets word that the son that he and Bathsheba conceived together was going to die. He knew that. What did David do? He fasted. He fasted. He was truly sorry. He did not want that to affect his son. What did his son have to do with what David had done? But he was truly contrite in heart. He was truly sorrowful that he had offended a holy God. And contrast that with attrition. Because there's a difference between contrition and attrition. You've often heard the term, especially in war, it's a war of attrition. People would, uh, Enemies would, would surround a city. They would lay siege to it. And it's just a war of attrition after that. If, if no supplies can get in, people are eventually going to feel the pain. People are eventually going to feel the pain and they're going to give in. And that's what happened in the Old Testament with Pharaoh. How many times did Moses go in and say, let my people go. That's what God says, let my people go. And then the plague comes, oh, I'm sorry, I've sinned, I'm sorry, I've sinned. When really he's not, it's not sorrow at all. He's just feeling the pain and he just wants the pain to go away. Attrition just regrets the pain and being caught. But that's not David. See, his happiness has turned to sorrow. And we could describe what David feels as Thomas Watson does. He says, what, and, and I'm inserting into his quote here, what, what we see happening with David. And, and let me also remind you, on the cross of Calvary, God made him to be sin, who knew no sin. And the experience that David had, our Savior had. This is the embittering of the soul to the extent that it is crucified in sorrow. Such sorrow of the heart runs out of the eyes with bitter tears and holy agony. In such tears, sin must drown or the soul will burn. It's right to feel sorrow. You should feel sorrow for your sin. Repentance is emotional. It's a change of heart toward God. Happiness turns to sorrow, and brazenness also turns to shame and regret. We see this in the tone of the psalm. David is truly ashamed. He truly regrets the fact that he committed adultery and had a woman's husband killed. He says in verse 3, I know my transgressions. He's not boasting in them, he's saying this to his shame. He's saying this because he regrets what he's done. He says in verse 4, Lord, I know against you and you only I have sinned. He's ashamed. He regrets it. He knows, verse 5, that he was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin, his mother conceived him. He's ashamed of being morally unclean. He's ashamed of being dirty. Now I want you to notice, David has this realization that is so important for us whether you're a believer or an unbeliever. He says, verse 16, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You would not be pleased with a burnt offering. In other words, David's saying, God, I will not try to cover this up with religious activity. Do You know, oftentimes, when people say they're going to repent, what they really mean is they're going to have a, a personal moral revolution. And it's external. While there's rot on the inside. That's what Jesus told the Pharisees. You're whitewashed tombs. Look at your lives, man. You live just exemplary lives, except on the inside, there is moral rot. David understands that it's not religious activity God wants. He wants repentance. That's why he says in verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. A religious practice gives a show of repentance apart from internal change, but a broken and contrite heart, brokenness over sin, is what God really wants. Thomas Watson again. When the heart has been made black by sin, grace makes the face red from blushing. This holy embarrassment is due to the recognition of sin's many distresses. Among them, it's guiltiness, it's abuse of Christ, and it's corrupting power, it's folly, it's extent. David's ashamed. His face has been made red from blushing. See, what God wants is what Joel, uh, God said through Joel in Joel 2, 12-13. through 13. He said, even now... Declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts, tear your hearts. See, mourning, a sign of mourning during this time was to tear your garments. And God says, I don't want an outward show with you tearing your outer garments. I want you to tear your heart. Be brokenhearted over your sin. Finally, repentance is volitional. It's a change of will. It says, I will forsake sin completely. I will confess and I will repent of every known sin. That's why David says in verse 2, God, wash me thoroughly. Thoroughly wash me from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. He says, purge me with hyssop. Clean me. Lord, you clean me and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. To forsake sin is to confess and repent and to flee from it with all your might. David requests of God, knowing that if he's going to forsake sin completely, that God has got to, look what he says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Doing your best. Now, I understand we don't fully forsake sin, we're fighting against it all the time. But there's a difference between doing your best to forsake sin completely and failing at times. That's better than knowing that you're going to fail anyway and just not making a big deal about it. You change your will. You say, I will forsake sin completely and I will turn to God fully. David does this in verse 6. He says, Lord... You want me to rend my heart. You, you want a broken and contrite spirit. You don't want external religious practice to cover over the internal rot. You want me to be clean. And furthermore, you want me to delight. You delight in truth in my inward being. You want to not only clean me, you want to fill me with truth. So I can turn toward you fully. He says, O God of my salvation. In verse 14. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing. When I turn fully towards you in salvation, my tongue will sing. Verse 15, then my heart will, de- my mouth will declare your praise. Verse 13, then I will teach transgressors your ways. Verse 19, it says, talking about God delighting in right sacrifices, David understands not to put the cart before the horse. Sacrifices. Don't come before repentance. But listen to me. Some of you may have come in here today. And you might have said to yourself, I know what I have done this week, but I'm going to come to church so I can feel better about myself. And it's been no problem for you to walk in here today, carting your sin in with you. And believing you're going to worship God in spirit and in truth. David understood my heart has to be broken. God has to purge me, clean me. He has to renew a new heart in me, put a right spirit in me. Then I will be able to worship Him as He deserves. He will delight in those kind of sacrifices. Realize I'm going long. I will try to to end quickly. Thomas Watson again. And I want to leave this with you. There is no rowing to paradise except on this stream of repentant tears. How earnestly does God call upon men to turn to Him. God commands all men everywhere to repent. As He swears, and this is Ezekiel, As I live, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God has no pleasure when a wicked person dies. God would rather have our repenting tears than our blood. If we turn to God, He will turn to us. He will turn His anger from us and His face toward us. Unbeliever, you cannot be saved apart from turning from your sin and turning to God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Believer, perhaps you are in a prodigal experience where you feel like that everything's kind of okay. You know, God's over there doing His thing and I'm over here doing my thing. And I like my thing. But then God does a work in your heart and you realize, just like the prodigal, you come to your senses and you see it for what it is. It's sin. Sin against a holy and righteous God. Do you need to come home today? Do you need Because you know, the Father's waiting. The Father responds to repentance. We learned that in Jonah. God always responds to repentance. And I don't know what you drug in here with you today. And how much longer you want to continue dragging it around. When God says repent, and He promises to wash us, to clean us, to renew us, to give us a right spirit. How much longer will you carry it around? Will you get rid of it today? Will you repent of your sin? Will you turn and run headlong into a Father who through the Son has made repentance a reality for you? Father, we thank you that we can repent. God, give us the grace to repent. Help us to repent, heart, soul, mind, and strength of all that we have done against you. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing I Surrender All make a decision, now is the time for you to come forward and make a decision as we sing together. here's why. Because part of repentance is turning to God and saying, I surrender. Part of repentance is realizing that he says, if any man wishes to come after me, let him deny himself daily. Take up his cross and follow me. Repentance, I believe, is not complete until you are following hard after God. This morning, we've got a couple that have come forward to say that they want to be uh, baptized. So, uh, Maria and Olivia have come forward. Um, That makes quite a few that we're waiting on the baptistry to get fixed, and we're working on it. It's one of those things where uh, we get this fixed, and we realize something else needs some attention. So thanks for your patience. Addie, we're going to get you baptized, kid. Kyson, not in here. We're going to get some kids and some adults, some folks baptized, and I am looking forward to that day. Um, So I just wanted to make you aware of that, so on the day that they come for baptism, uh, they'll be presented to the church for membership, and we rejoice in that. Um, in terms of um, just prayer requests, um, I did want to point out we have some special guests with us today. I was unaware that my mother in law, Gail, Stephanie's mom, uh, was going to come today, and I'm so thankful. And her friend, Cricket. Uh, Cricket Crick is originally from Hart, Texas. And uh, that she and Gail are just great friends, and uh, and so that means I have to
1: like her. So. <laughs>
2: I couldn't resist cricket. <laughs> um, continue to pray for, uh, for Ben. I never heard if he got out of the hospital, but he was in the hospital last week. They were trying to get his medications figured out. Um, Bernie's ship is new to our list. Uh, that's uh, Glenda's mom. She's been uh, falling a lot. Um, you want to give us an update on Brianna? Amen. Continue to pray for uh, Garrett Ratliff. Um, he and I had a great conversation yesterday, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, Jimbo, how do you say his last name? Bodine. No, not Jimbo Fisher. Don't uh, the guy that passed away? Bodine. Okay, all right. He passed away here recently, so we need to pray for his family. Uh, you may not know who he is, but he drives. Around, he drove around in that ice cream truck, that old ice cream truck. So pray for his family. Um. Continue to pray for the Sally Harden family yesterday. She was laid to rest. Um, Zole Owens did, didn't make it on here, but uh, that's Joey's girlfriend's uh, dad. He was run over by a cow and uh, got put to the hospital. And He's been uh, making continual strides as time goes on, so we're grateful for that. Marcia, how's your brother? He's home. He's on things Okay, good. And Larry, glad to see that you're here. Um, I told Larry the other night, and and I'll go ahead and do it now, that if he's going to stay in that bed any longer in the hospital, I'm going to call up and say, three seconds. (laughs) Over and over and over, right? (laughs) One final thing before I see if you have anything you need to share. Um, You realize that our church, it's a previous business meeting. I think it was a previous, no, two, two meetings ago. Um, we shifted some money that we had set, uh, sent to the seed company for a project in, um, Madagascar that fell through. Now we're, uh, supporting the, the Momo project, which is in Cameroon. Woo. And so we need to, to pray for their project manager, project leader, Kevin Golding, and the project consultant, Jim Winters. So we'll make sure and get that on the prayer list, um. Barbara. Any other prayer requests we need to make? Any updates you'd like to make? Well, let's stand. We'll have a word of prayer. Be dismissed with the Great Commission. (laughs) Father, we are grateful uh, for your goodness in our life. Uh, You are a good God, a glorious God, awesome in all things, wonderful. Uh, We count it a privilege to be able to pray to you um, and to have been praying to you on behalf of the people that we just mentioned Uh, For all that are on the list, we pray that uh, they would know your presence, that they would know that you're a good God who is always looking out for their good. And if there are any that don't know you as Savior and Lord, that through this process that they would know that you are real, that you love them through Christ, and that they can have a relationship with you. Uh, Bless this day, Father. Uh, Go with us as we continue to meditate on what we've learned today about repentance and continue to call us to repentance, Father. In Christ's name we pray these things. Amen.